0: for all of you who read tarot or who are interested in tarot and you are waking up right now, this is how you can look at your tarot practice in light of all of these systems of oppression. And this is how you can use the tarot practice to actually mitigate the systems of oppression.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to realize that, like, you have to do something. You can't just keep, like, asking people or waiting. Things may not always be perfect, but it's better to stumble through it and be moving forward than to sit back and say, Oh, it's crazy, I don't know what to do. And then like nothing gets done and things are the same and you haven't even talked to you know, your, your family about it or whoever's in your direct circle that you could be having conversations with so easily. Like we can't just have like the activists who care about social justice and then
0: the coaches and the tarot readers. Everybody needs to all be ingrained into the work and just integrated into your day-to-day job.
1: Hey, and welcome to a new episode. Today's podcast is slightly different. I'm actually sitting down with Samara Kasai from Kasai Thrive to talk about their work decolonizing tarot practices, how they steer their clients away from spiritual bypassing, specific ways that you can use tarot to connect with your higher self, your guides, and your ancestors, and how tarot as a practice can benefit your self worth. Samara, whose preferred pronouns are they, them, uses witchcraft to break oppressive systems, focusing on tarot as a liberatory tool. Find them on Instagram at Kasai Thrive, that's K-A-S-A-I Thrive, and find the links to their courses in the show notes. Throughout this interview, we reference an article I wrote for Medium that was published in Human Parts titled, The Self-Help World Needs to Stop Ignoring Its Privilege. The ideas in that article are what prompted us to have this conversation. If you're interested in reading it, I've linked it in the show notes as well. Enjoy the episode! Welcome to Is It Worth It, the self-worth podcast where we explore how different areas of our life affect our self-worth and how to build and maintain our sense of self-worth my name is roshni and i am a self-worth life coach i help my clients discover their worth so they can stop holding back and start taking control of their lives full force you can find my other free content under the name Betty grew up that's b-e-t-i grew up on instagram and youtube and you can sign up for my free newsletter at betigrewup.com hope you enjoy the episode So today's episode is a little bit different. I'm actually doing an interview with Samara from Kasai Thrive. Do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit?
0: Sure. So I'm Samara, like you said. I am a tarot reader and a tarot teacher. I am also a meditation teacher and a breathwork teacher, so I do all kinds of things, but my favorite thing is tarot for sure. Um, And yeah, that's I guess that's basically it about me. I'm on the East Coast for now, but moving to the West Coast and just
1: excited to be here. Ooh, exciting. Yeah, well, thanks so much for joining me in general. Um, So what led you to really finding Tarot and like how did your path kind of lead you here?
0: Ooh, okay, great question. So I found Tarot in college when I was just going through, I think college is just a, a time of soul searching anyway for a lot of people, just trying to figure out Your place in the world and how you fit into it and I was in this transition period where I was in a really shitty relationship can I say shitty I don't know yeah okay (laughs) okay um where I was in this really shitty relationship and just trying to get my life together and I was looking for images of queer like healthy queer relationships Because I think a lot of the conversations like I'm sure we'll get into the conversations about how to like have a healthy relationship, usually center around straight people and then queerness is still getting its footing as far as thinking about how to have like sustainable healthy partnerships, or at least that's what I was finding and so I was looking for images of healthy queer relationships on the YouTube's as one does and I learned about this tarot reader who had this YouTube channel that everybody loved. And I was like, okay, I'll check this out. And as I was watching the YouTube video, it was basically explaining to me exactly what was going on in my abusive relationship and talking through kind of like the steps that I needed to take to get out of it. And so it was like a super crazy moment for me, lots of synchronicities. And Mm -hmm. that was when I was just like, okay, I need to know what these cards are and how they do what they do. And I just became super obsessed with the whole thing.
1: That's so awesome. So it was just like one video that was like a huge aha moment. And you were like, this is what I need to do.
0: Yes, it was crazy. It was just describing exactly what I was going through. And I was like feeling so seen and so loved by this person who I didn't even know on the internet. And I was like, I
1: need to know how this happened. Oh my gosh. Aren't those like the best moments too, when you just like find like a total stranger, but it's like, how have we not like known each other our whole lives? Like you were just like reading me to filth in like the best <laughs> way possible. Like, I love this. Yes. yes. So did you just kind of go into like, did you start by getting more readings done or did you automatically decide like, this is what I want to, like, I want to do readings for other people?
0: Oh, okay. Great question. So I started with just watching this lady's YouTube channel every month. Mm -hmm. She would do like a reading. And then I started to find myself looking up the cards. Like if she would pull the ace of wands, I would start Googling like, Oh, what does that mean? Like, and then it just became, I became obsessed with Googling the cards. And I was like, I wish I had cards. Like I should, I should be able to have cards for myself and ask my own questions. And so I found that the website that kept giving me all the card meanings, the lady also had a deck. So I bought her deck and she had a PDF just breaking down like not card by card meanings, but like groupings, like all of the Wands cards we'll talk about this and all of the sevens we'll talk about this and mm-hmm. just a way to give me like something to hang my hat on. And that was really how my exploration started. But it was, at first it was really just, I'm going to watch these YouTube videos, because this lady is telling me how to live my life. Yes. Um, yeah. And then the interest started to peak from there.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So like, I know you said that you have kind of a, a different approach to tarot, and you like, are, you know, wanting to decolonize the tarot. So how would you describe your approach? And like, how is that different from what's commonly being done?
0: Sure. So I come to tarot from a very like, I don't want to say it's a different background because I don't know how everyone comes to tarot, but as far as me and my journey, I, first of all, tarot was a liberatory tool for me. Like it helped me get out of a very oppressive situation. And I always have to see tarot through the lens of helping me figure out how to rectify injustices as they happen in my own life. And I've started now to be as I'm reading tarot for other people and people are coming to me with all of these questions about how to navigate all the changes going on in the world, I've started to make myself a resource for how to expand the liberatory potential of tarot to like entire communities or to entire issues, but I really haven't seen anyone who framed tarot explicitly as a tool for liberation and that's what I've been really passionate about doing.
1: Okay, that's exciting. That's awesome. So like how do you use tarot as like a grounding practice?
0: Yeah. Okay. So when I say grounding with the tarot, I think there's two aspects of it, right? There's, I'm just going to like, I, I'm very visual. So sometimes I need to draw as I'm talking yes. and I'll just like say things as I'm drawing them. Perfect. But I, um, I see it in two ways. I see grounding from your like mindfulness perspective of trying to just be in the present moment and collect yourself and kind of come down from anxiety and tarot is great for that. And then tarot is also great for grounding in the more spiritual sense, like how we'll talk about, um, I know in our conversation, we had mentioned the fact that a lot of the spiritual world sits up in the clouds and and tells you kind of about the other realms and your ancestors and all of these things that are not necessarily physical to us Mm -hmm. that we can touch. And I think tarot, I mean, first of all, it's very tactile, like it's a physical, it's a physical object that you can feel and touch that connects you to the other realms. And so grounding in that way of pulling in all of that beautiful information that we have from our ancestors and our spirit guides into the physical reality. And so I think tarot is perfect for grounding down more of those spiritual concepts as well. So... I guess to break that down, to start with the, um, the mindfulness, I guess, aspect of grounding and how tarot is really helpful for things like anxiety and feeling scatterbrained or just having a sense of, I don't know what's going on with my life or today is going crazy and just how do I like center and sit down? Mm-hmm. I like to use anchor cards for that. So to get an anchor card, you just take your deck and you ask yourself or your higher self, what card is standing with me in this moment? Like where is my my support coming from? What can I ground into? And so you'll just shuffle and you'll pull one card and then that card's message will be the message that you need to hear to really center your soul and to focus on whatever it is that is in front of you right now. So I often pull anchor cards and they tell me to go take a nap um, or They'll tell me that I'm on social media too much and that's why my energy is scattered. And they're really helpful for getting a sense of like, what is something that I can focus on right now that will help me to ground into the reality that I need to be most attentive towards, whether it's I need to be writing a paper or I need to be, you know, actually cleaning my apartment or whatever it is, like pulling one card that will support you through that task as you feel super scattered. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, it does. Like that's so cool to hear. I didn't like realize that you could use it in that way or like, like, obviously I knew that you could ask questions to tarot and then kind of draw something that would give you like an answer. And I have more experience with like past, present, future kind of pulls, but I didn't know about like that. And that makes so much sense. And it is true. Like every time I draw a tarot, whether it's one card, whether it's past, present, future, I'm like, wow, this really resonates so much. And I think that's what keeps me coming back to tarot. It's like, Mm -hmm. wow, like I, feel so seen (laughs) and like this is talking directly to me and I feel like that's such a rare experience especially because like you get like online horoscopes and you know Mm -hmm. you get like all these kind of more generic things but tarot is something that I feel like it's so personal every time and like I it almost like shocks me every time like how much I relate to it Um, so that's really cool like how you use that so I did have one other question or did you were you finished or did you have
0: Oh, I was just going to talk about the other aspect of grounding with yeah. the, like grounding in the spiritual stuff onto um, the physical planet that we sit mm-hmm. on. But um, I love like what whatever makes the most sense for you. If you want to go with your question first, if your question is more related to what we just talked about.
1: Um, I mean, I guess it could relate to all of it in general, but I was really just going to ask, like, can you draw for yourself? Like, I know some people say it's like really unethical or you're never going to get the right reading when you pull for yourself. But I know um, for a lot of people listening to it might be like a cool way for them to get introduced to it is like if they're able to draw for themselves or I don't know, like what's your opinion on that?
0: So I only drew for myself for the first year of my tarot practice. And I think drawing for yourself is so special. I have decks that I only use for me that will never, like, I'll never use them on Instagram or I'll never use them with the client. And I think the, the issue that comes up with drawing for yourself is that you are, you have internal biases, right? Mm -hmm. This is actually a great segue into the next type of grounding. So you're a person, you have boundaries. I mean, you have boundaries and biases, but we're going to talk about the biases. And a lot of the times you'll go in knowing what you want to hear, Mm -hmm. And so that will mess up your interpretation. Um, And so I used to find this a lot where I would ask, you know, how can I, what is my career going to look like? Like at the end of December, I was asking, how is my career going to look in 2020? And I really wanted to get into this PhD program at UCLA. And so I was like, how can I make the cards tell me (laughs) that (laughs) I'm going to go to UCLA? And that was it. I was like... I just want the cards to confirm for me what I already really want. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that a lot of my first clients were tarot readers who were like, okay, I've been asking for this information from the tarot and they've been telling me what I really want. And I just need like a third party to confirm or deny what I think I'm picking up on. Yeah. And so that was really interesting. It was my first chance to really start to explore, like how is it that we can read for ourselves in a way that actually removes those biases. And that doesn't allow us to just like manipulate the messages of the cards to do what we want. And so what I've found that's been the most effective and really like transformed my practice and why I still pull for myself really regularly is when you think about tarot as a tool to actually connect to the other realms, like to connect to your ancestors or even um, to your inner child or to your higher self, but it's not that you're, It's not that the cards are, they are inanimate objects, right? They're just pieces of what, I don't even know what this is, paper, laminated paper. Um, But, and for anyone who can't see, I'm like holding a card up right now. So I'm not just (laughs) talking about, yeah. So I'm holding a card up right now and it's a piece of laminated paper. And so it's almost the way that we think about money. I don't know how... um, how much your listeners are into that realm of like how money is energy and it's just it's like an object but it has a lot of energy attached to it and the energy that you assign to money has a lot to do with whether or not money will stay with you and whether or not money will come to you and the ways in which money interacts and how you feel about money and so I think about the cards in the same way they're just pieces of paper but you can assign a lot of energy to them and so Mm -hmm. if you tell the cards like, these are my client cards. These are my Instagram and like reading for private clients cards. And so I'll tell the cards that when I'm using you, I am connecting to the collective energy of all of the higher selves of my Instagram followers or the higher self of this client. And we're going to use that as a way to hear what my client actually needs rather than what my client wants. And so with my cards that I use for myself, I have decks that are like, I'm only using this deck to talk to my ancestors and Mm -hmm. my ancestors will give me messages from this deck. So I know it's not even like me who's coming through and that takes a lot of humility. There are a lot of like steps that you can take within yourself to kind of just remove yourself. Like I'll have a prayer um, that just says, you know remove me from all self-centeredness and give me the courage to actually know the truth. because it is scary sometimes if you get a message. I remember when I got the message that I was supposed to start reading tarot for other people and I was like, I am not ready. Like, this is ridiculous. I am a full-time student and I have two jobs and I don't know the first thing about <laughs> selling anything online or whatever. And now I have this like insane business where I'm like making $10,000 a month and I'm like, how, 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 Would it have gone if I had just let myself talk myself out of actually receiving Mm -hmm. that message? So you can pull for yourself is a short answer, but you have to really humble yourself and ask yourself that, ask yourself to like actually have courage when you're sitting with your cards and to say Mm -hmm. that like, no matter what comes up, I trust that it's from those who support me, my higher self, my ancestors, whoever, and I have the courage to actually sit and listen to this.
1: Yeah, that openness is so important too, because it's like, what's the point of, asking when you know what you want the answer to be you know like the whole point that you're using this tool is like to connect to a perspective that you didn't think of before or whatever and yeah I agree like I've had challenging readings and sometimes I'm like no I just want to put the card back and like start over but obviously that's not how it works so like something mm-hmm. that I've done as well as even doing a bit of journaling like um, just on what what exactly which card I pulled what this card like could mean not even in relation to my life if I can't go there yet but just like this is generally what the card means and then revisiting that when I'm like a little less tied to it emotionally helps me be like okay this is what it could mean but let's not like get ahead of ourselves and freak out in the moment like it's just something that I need to revisit and be patient with um, but the answer's there like you can't change it
0: <laughs> yes yes I love that so much I love the idea of revisiting too some of my favorite readers will like pull the cards and then interpret them and then walk away for like three days and then come back and I feel like the messages are so potent when you just give them time to to marinate and like you said when you give yourself a chance to come down from that like emotional reaction of the initial pull
1: right exactly was that everything about like the spiritual realm connectedness as well or was there more that you wanted to add about like that in relation to tarot
0: Ooh, okay. Well, I guess this could go into a little bit of the decolonizing um, aspects of tarot, because as we've mentioned, the spiritual world can seem like everyone is like floating on some cloud in Bali. And mm-hmm. that's effectively like the purpose of spiritual seeking is so that you too can float on a cloud in Bali. And you don't think very much about the ways in which the spirit world exists in such In like complement to the world that we have now, like that we are humans in a physical form. And if we wanted to be without obstacle and without struggle, and we wouldn't have come, you know, Mm -hmm. we came here to have the whole human experience. And so I think as we were talking about with the tarot, it can be brutally honest with you. And sometimes that's so important, because it tells you how you're supposed to actually navigate the life that you have rather than sitting and dreaming so much about the life that you want. And of course there's time to, you know, hold the vibration of the life that you want, but first you have to fully accept the life that you have and you have to accept that we live in this really fucked up world Mm -hmm. that has so many oppressive structures that keep people from accessing spirituality in the first place, that keep people from staying in the spiritual world once they've accessed it or had a taste of it. And as I've been saying, I think I said this to you um, last week when we had our, our chat, just the idea that tarot as a practice is not immune from all of the things, all of the standards that we hold, you know, the school system, the, the commercials that we have to watch on TV. It's, it's, we have to have a world where First of all, representation is at the forefront. We can't just continually mass-produce all of these tarot decks that only have images of white people on Mm -hmm. them. And we also can't continually mass-produce decks with guidebooks that will tell you the card meanings are so focused on really just things that can be so out of touch, especially as a queer person, the amount of lover's cards that don't have any queer couples on them Mm -hmm. and the amount of Pentacles card interpretations that will just be purely about like making money and keeping money and saving money and money is coming to you. And I think that's such a missed opportunity because with the Pentacles, especially it's about grounding and safety and earth, like the earth energy that we have. Yeah. Money is part of the earth energy, but it's, so much more than that and when you have someone who is struggling and doesn't even feel safe in the world having a card pull that says oh you're going to make a bunch of money tomorrow like that doesn't do anything for them you need to tell them like this is an earth card and that means that you're safe that means that you're (laughs) grounded you know and you're you're able to tap into that grounding and so I think if we are going to talk about tarot as a grounding practice we have to talk about it as one that that sits within this physical reality that we have and that allows us to navigate all of the systems and structures and obstacles that come with being on this planet right now.
1: Wow, that's so true. And that is so interesting because, like, I was just saying, how personal tarot is every single time and, like, you're like, yeah, it's because it has to do with like your actual life right now. You know, like so many times you pick up like a self-help book or a spiritual book and it's like, great, you're giving all this abstract advice. And I understand like you want to, you're, you want your advice to reach a lot of people, but because of that, it has to be a little bit generic because you can't, you know? And so because of that, a lot of that is, it's not, there's not like a how to apply this to your life. It's like these are the ideas. Now it's up to you to figure out how you're gonna do it and blah, blah, blah. But tarot really is that tool that says, okay, this is what you need to know about navigating your life. And I think the entire idea of what you said, like tarot is no different than schools, like it's so important to think about all these things as a structure because like we think of, you know, schools and hospitals and maybe real estate as like structural issues, but we don't think about, you know, all these other realms, including like the spiritual work and different, you know, aspects of that also is a structure. And I think when you really look at it, like, there's so many people doing a certain kind of thing, whether that's tarot or life coaching or podcasting or whatever, that when there's that amount of volume of people doing that, that becomes a structure. And then, so it kind of like goes up, but then at the same time, that structure is built with people. So people like you or people who are really taking it seriously in terms of like, how can we make this more equitable? How can we make these messages relate to, you know, mar- marginalized people, quote unquote, or whatever, like all of that is, it's like, these individual people can change structures, obviously, but because of just the sheer volume, that's what makes it a structure. And that's why it's so important to, you know, do the practice correctly and in in a way that's like equitable, but also to be someone that is, you know, purchasing those things or looking out for those creators and those leaders that are doing that same thing, because that's how structures get changed, you know, and Capitalism obviously is so entwined in that whoever is, you know, getting paid, people are gonna follow that model and recreate that. And eventually, you know, as much as it is tied to money and that energy, it's still something that can be, you know, recreated and create a more lasting change.
0: Yeah, I think, oh my God, so much, so many light bulbs were going on as <laughs> you were saying everything. And I think one of the biggest things that's coming through now is just what something that I read in your piece in Medium. And it's just making me think about the idea that, like, this is an industry, right? Just like any other industry. And as we were talking about, like, we hold industries to standards because they are systemic. And so it's illegal, right, to have schools that only allow white people to go to them. Like, it's illegal to have certain things that are so explicitly racist in these Mm -hmm. industries but we don't have any regulations in the wellness industry. Mm -hmm. So coaches, tarot readers, massage, all all of us, we are out here with no protections in an industry that was stolen, right? From people of color, effectively, all of the practices. (laughs) Except, I mean, tarot is different because tarot was created by white people. But a lot of the things that we talk about and that you were talking about in your piece were taken from people of color, monetized by white people, sold to other white people. And now we have become kind of like the underdog mm-hmm. in the thing that we helped create, which is just like a, a whole nice microcosm for this country, the United States, um, yes. and for the world at right. large. But it's really, it is like this is, and people, I think a lot of times, especially with tarot readers, because tarot is kind of like a very folky practice where people just do it for themselves and their friends at parties. And then like occasionally people will break into like doing tarot readings, but it's not, I don't think many people, many people that I come across that dream of making a full-time living reading tarot. And I'm really fortunate that I'm able to, and, and I know some people who are, but tarot is an industry. Like it's very much an industry and we, we have to see it that way. And I don't know what that means like politically. And I, I it, it's like, these are real time thoughts that are coming into my head. So they're very half-baked, mm-hmm. but it's so important that we start to see ourselves as people in an unregulated industry that have to effectively advocate for ourselves and for our rights to be represented, our rights to be heard and valued at the same rate that white people are,
1: mm-hmm. you know? No, absolutely. And exactly what you were saying, there's just no regulation, like in the wellness industry at all. And when I was looking at becoming a life coach, I was like, okay, what's like the board exam? Like, what's like the thing that I have to do to get this? And then I realized like, oh, there is none. Like you can pay for a private coaching practice, but that's not measured against any sort of accreditation. That's not, you know, so I'm like, okay, well, you know, I've learned things from here and there and I've learned, you know, tools and practices and techniques and things like that over time. But it's like, how am I supposed to know that what I'm doing is ethical and what is there in place keeping other people being ethical, you know? And like, I feel like for the community as a large, like just any, any of our readers or anyone out there looking at our information or any wellness person's information, it's like they don't realize like how easy it is to just kind of sell whatever or do whatever or like because it's like you're writing that permission slip for yourself you know so it's like when you mm-hmm. do find a creator or someone in this space that really is like trying to be ethical or trying to do what they can even if they have privilege if they at least admit it or talk about it like that's okay but it, starting mm-hmm. somewhere is important but it's like for as an audience and like to the audience as a whole like hang on to those people really tightly because Mm -hmm. it means something that they're choosing to like go maybe the harder route or choosing to be more ethical but it's like not everyone has to do that and if you feel like the entire wellness industry is completely like upsetting like in some ways I do too but I still know individuals within this industry that are amazing that are doing so much so it's like if you feel like there isn't one person that's trustworthy then I would suggest to keep looking because there are people out there but they're just not the loudest voices and that's what is really a shame you know but it's like you can change that the audience is what changes that the audience is the one supporting and deciding how big these people are you know so it's like realize Mm -hmm. that you have that power and just look keep looking or be that person if you can't find anyone you know I feel like we both kind of had to do that in a way it's like be the person that we wish we could see or connect with
0: yeah Ooh. yeah I really resonate with that so hard just the idea of like what it means to kind of go first before you see anyone like you doing the thing. And that makes me, I mean, first of all, that makes my brain go in so many directions. Mm -hmm. Um, One thought that was really strong coming through, and now I think we're just talking about the wellness industry as a whole, um, I'm gonna draw again. So I have one thought about the wellness industry as a whole, and then I have another thought about how this comes back to like our tarot Mm -hmm. conversation. But with the wellness industry as a whole, I feel like you see that so much with pricing too. The idea that white creators value themselves so much higher as far as like, like even with tarot and that's like the, that's where I am. So I'll just talk about that. But you can find people giving a tarot reading for $15. You can find people giving a tarot reading for $250 and it's, it's the same 78 cards. But why is it that generally the people with more social privilege will value themselves and value their work so much higher for the exact same thing, mm-hmm. you know? And like, of course, people have years, sometimes people have more years of experience or what have you, but just the idea that there can be such a range for the exact same product and really what, what helps me when I'm like, okay, I want a reading, like, who am I going to go to? I go to the people that I can resonate with the most. You know, I go to the people who are talking about tarot in the context of social justice or the people who are talking about tarot as a way to connect to the other realms and to bring that down to earth. Like the people who are having the conversations I wanna have, I'm like, okay, I trust you. I wanna hear from you and from what your guides have to say because your mm-hmm. guides and my guides are having a similar conversation. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: the fact that we're in this world where it's like, okay, I'm going to go with the person that I know, like, and trust. Right. That's like such business jargon of like, no, like, and trust white people, know, like, and trust white people. And that's just how that is. And they have so many biases that tell them not to know, like, or trust Brown people, people of color. And that's just the world that we live in. And so I think that does get reflected a lot in prices when it's like, okay, well, if you are a person who just feels like you're desperate and you want to make a sale, then you're going to price your things a lot lower than someone who is like, I know that the vast majority of people in the industry are going to know, like, and trust and therefore pick me. And so mm-hmm. I will price it at so much higher, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, like Like, that's a conversation that like I could go on forever about just like the idea of like cost and especially with coaching yeah there is such a range you know some people will do it for like a hundred dollars a session and then some people it's like in the thousands and it and that's been like a personal issue for me too it's like I I know I have so much to offer and so much value to give So I want to charge high, but then at the same time, I don't want to outprice my own community because Mm -hmm. these are the people that I want to serve. And there's issues that go into why they might not have as much disposable income. And, you know, the cycle continues and that's where I'm like, how can I kind of find like a wrench in this? How can I kind of break this up and like make this Mm -hmm. different?
0: Yeah, it's a whole I've been on such a pricing journey, honestly, in the like ever since my business started and. I mean, Tarot tarot is my tool for everything. So Tarot has helped me a lot with pricing. And I'm thinking of maybe doing something to support business owners who want to use Tarot more for, like, business planning and stuff. So I'm going to, like, table all of that and just make a note to myself that this might be really cool. Um, Because I use Tarot to plan my business. Ever since the Tarot told me to have a business, I was like, okay, well, then you got to tell me how. Because I certainly have no idea. Yes. Um, so I'll write that down and I'll just make a note and I'll do something for like tarot for business planning. But what I was going to say was going back to the representation piece of like, who's actually on cards, like this card, for example, it's an ace card and it has mm-hmm. like this cloud and this like brown hand coming out of the cloud with the wand in it. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was in my meditation today, because I was meditating with this card before I came on the podcast, and the ace, like going into this whole like self-worth, um the the point of your podcast, right? Self-worth and what mm-hmm. you do, I was thinking like, okay, aces, this ace came out upside down for me. And the way that I read an ace upside down is just telling you to stop looking for your hand in the clouds to come out and like bless you, like just know that you at this point have everything that you need within Mm -hmm. you. Um, And that was in response, I was asking the tarot, like, what do I need to say about self worth on this podcast? And so just this sense of like, you have everything you need within you, you don't need to look outside of yourself for someone else to come and like grant you um, worthiness or to grant you permission to, to pursue what you love. But I was think, I was like staring at the card and I was like, yeah, like there's a hand that has the wand and it looks like my hand, like it's a brown mm-hmm. hand. And that is so huge. Mm-hmm. And I had that thought in my head and I was like, yeah, like the hand, the hand coming out of the cloud is my hand. Like it just, it's obviously my hand, like it's a brown hand. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I would have had the same meditation if this card had a white hand on it, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I have no idea, but I think. The way that, like the decks that we buy, this is a modern witch tarot, by the way, if people don't, if people want a deck that has brown hands on it. I was going to um, say, yeah, I
1: can leave a link to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the the decks that we buy are so powerful because the images that we're able to see in them, it's, that's why I bring up like TV a lot when I'm talking because there's a whole bunch of studies that will show you that if you show children TV that only has white people, then they're gonna have lower self esteem and a lower sense of self worth and they're going to view themselves differently than children who watch TV and it it always looks like them. Sorry about these sirens. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but I I one of my teachers says that sirens are confirmation that I'm saying something important. So there we Stop go. Stop it. <laughs> I
1: love <the> please. <laughs>
0: oh my God, yes. Uh, but um, cards, images TV, yeah. So looking at TV and how children, it studies show that if you only expose children to like white dolls, white TV shows, blah, 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 they will see themselves as less smart, less worthy of friendship, less, you know, capable, all of these things. And so how is it any different when what cards are, they're just images that you expose yourself to and especially that you look to. For guidance. And so if you're only looking to white images for guidance, then what is that telling your subconscious about you and how worthy you are and how worth trusting you are? Right. You know?
1: And there's such a connection to like the idea of ancestors too. It's like if, even if like you didn't see that hand as your own, but you saw it as like, you know, your your ancestors or, I mean, mm-hmm. I, mean I guess with spirit guides, it doesn't have to be like a familial mm-hmm. relation or anything, but still like, yeah, saying like, oh, that's my grandmother's hand, or that's like this encouraging mm-hmm. voice from my past. Like even mm-hmm. that is there's something so healing about that to be like, wow, I'm connected, like this sense of kinship and with like a white hand or with something that you would look at and see as like a cartoon or just see as like, not you there's not that personal connection so yeah I feel like that makes such a big difference because like to hear a message from like an Instagram quote versus to be like this came to me in a tarot reading and it feels like it's something my grandmother is saying to me like that it's a completely different level of like spiritual resonance
0: oh yeah a hundred percent that hit me so hard I'm like just smiling and I don't know. My heart is very full. So thank you for saying it like that. That's just such a beautiful way to articulate it.
1: Oh, thank you. But yeah, I just like briefly like that card, like I feel like that was almost like a message for me too. Cause like, that's been like my mindset, like, Oh, just like wait for things to happen, even though I've been doing things, even like with like the drop of like the medium article and like it being published and other people resonating. I'm like, okay, now I feel like I've like, I've waited for like the hand to come out of the sky. Like that was the hand. And now it's like putting that power back on you. And I'm like, that's like the message I needed to hear. So thanks for sharing that as well.
0: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. I love, I know that aces in reverse can be scary for people. And I love to reframe any ace in reverse as like okay, like you have already gotten the blessing, like now you need to start kind of trusting that and trusting that you already know what to do with what you've been given rather than waiting for someone to give you more.
1: Yes. It's like, stop overthinking, just do it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. Love it. Um, So I know we also wanted to talk a little bit about like spiritual bypassing and like how you try to help clients avoid that. Um, So like how... Do you do your own work on that? And how do you maybe use your practice to help clients with that idea?
0: Yeah, so I think about spiritual bypassing in the context of this idea, kind of going back to this cloud in Bali. I don't know why it's a cloud in Bali for me, but that's, <laughs> that's where I put all of the spiritual people who I'm like, okay, you're saying part, partial truths, but you're missing a big piece. Um, but the cloud in Bali, one of the big things about the cloud in Bali is that there's like no suffering on the Mm. cloud in Bali or like suffering is like a choice. That's like a very common phrase. And I of course want to pay reverence to all of the people who like ascribe to whatever teachings it is. I taught them that, I don't know, but I don't believe necessarily that suffering is optional and that you can just like click a button or, or meditate enough. And then you stop suffering. Like I think part of the human experience is that there's, Hardship and that that hardship is going to have an effect on you. You're going to grieve when you lose something. You're going to be in pain when you get hurt. And these are just parts of the human experience. And a lot of the times people come to spirituality looking to escape from grief, pain, guilt, frustration, shame, all of those emotions that we're taught you can somehow bypass by meditating enough or by. I'm going to Bali, it's thought. Um, but it, it, it's interesting because people will come looking for a way out of suffering or looking for a way around suffering. But I have found with my own practice where I was very much like, I want inner peace and I'm going to orient my whole life around finding inner peace because right now I'm struggling too much and I'm too sad. and like I, And I would beat up on myself if I got frustrated or if I got anxious. And it just became this whole cycle of like, I'm sad and that makes me mad at myself. And then I'm mad at myself and now I'm frustrated for being mad at myself. And I just want peace. And so I'm just focused on inner peace. And when I started to bring tarot into the mix, because so that was when I was mostly doing like meditation stuff, um, some meditation teacher too. When I started to bring tarot into the mix, it was like very clearly saying, like, first of all, the tarot was like, you can ask me about anything, anything at all. And I'm not going to judge you. And I'm not going to tell you that like you're wrong for wondering about, you know, why the world is so broken or for wondering how you can like repair your relationship with your dad or like whatever, whatever big deep question is on your mind. So you can ask me anything and I'm not going to judge you. That was the first thing Taro said. And then the second thing Taro said was just like, your whole self is welcome here. Like, I'm not going to turn you away or stop talking to you just because you're coming to me having a bad day or because you're asking me something that is causing you to cry or is causing you to yell or because you want to go punch something right now, like punch a pillow. Like the tarot is it's so, it drags you for sure, but it's, it always has its arms open to you and it will always welcome you. And I've had so many bad experiences that people have told me about in spirituality where it's like, you're not, supposed to cry or to be sad or to be frustrated and if you have a bad day you just like breathe and then your day should be better by then and and so I've been really focusing with myself on how I can remember that like I can ask the tarot anything and the tarot is not going to shame me for having a bad day and then with my clients one of the things I like to do because my clients at the beginning and I've had to do my own work around this like I'm thinking about what kinds of clients I want to have but at the beginning, a lot of my clients were like, will I ever be happy? Like, those were the questions that I was getting. Will I be happy? Will I find me? And that line of questioning just leads you down the spiritual bypassing rabbit hole because mm-hmm. what would happen is the person had a lot of grief to sit with because they had gone through a trauma and they were so busy like, okay, well, I have this trauma, but like, when will I be happy again? You know? And the tarot is very clearly saying like, you need to sit with this this seems really heavy and you can't just carry it and like take it and chuck it because it's heavy you need to sit with it and massage it and learn about it and grow through it and like integrate it you can't just like come to a tarot reader and ask how you can bypass. like people were just basically asking me how do I spiritually bypass this situation that I'm in And, and I had to get really real with myself and with the way the the way that I even speak to potential clients and just say like I do please don't ask me if you'll ever be happy like I'm not here to tell you how to like circumnavigate (laughs) certain parts of the human experience and I don't want to tell you how to do that because that's first of all impossible and and the people the thing that frustrates me is that there are a lot of tarot readers taking those kinds of questions Mm -hmm. and then that kind of sets us up for it like sets us back in the industry Mm-hmm. Because there's this narrative that like you go to tarot and you see your future and da, da da da, and as long as people are taking these questions like, will I ever find peace? Will I ever find happiness? It it reinforces the narrative that spiritual work is to help you kind of overcome, quote unquote, a giant part of what it means to be human. You right? Know?
1: Yeah, it just doesn't even make sense, and like that's so true like just how people will look for that kind of easy answer and that's what frustrates me too it's like a lot of the people that are kind of like in the audiences are the ones that are quick to be skeptical or whatever and it's like that's fine you know like take your time with it but at the same time if you're not going to do the work and then say that it doesn't work like that I mean, come on, (laughs) you know, you have to be able to do the hard work and sit through the things that you don't want to do. And it's like that. I mean, people are willing to accept that when it comes to school or college or doing the hard grunt work in a career or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's like, but you don't want to do that with your own self and your own life. Like, Mm -hmm. how does that make sense that you're not willing to, to go through the tough parts, even in relationships. Some people will be willing to like do that with a partner, go to marriage counseling, but then can't, you know, do that in their relationship with themselves. And um, yeah, I feel like that's the biggest thing as well. It's like, it's as much on you, the the listener and the observer and the reader to do these things on yourself as, as it is for someone else to spell it out. Cause someone can say it over and over again, but if you're not going to, then you're going to never like reap that benefit you know um and i loved what you said about like tarot not judging you or like accepting your whole self because like i talked about this idea of how no negative no emotions are a negative emotion so much at the start of like my youtube channel and stuff i was like no emotion is bad every emotion is a teacher so if something's making you angry what does that teach you do you want to be more like them do you want to have a quality that they have or is there something that's actually you know, a, a upsetting about like a, a system in place or, you know, about a way that someone's doing something that you can then do something about or make sure that you never replicate that kind of behavior. Like there's so much that you can do and there's always action from everything, but only if you're willing to get in the weeds and, you know, like you said, sit there and really figure it out and kind of massage it out. And um, yeah, and then like what you were saying with, you know, again, how, sh- how Tara will never like judge you When I was studying education in college, we were we would always kind of study the types of teachers, like someone that's just always nice, or someone that's really harsh. And we always came back to the same idea that like the best person is the warm demander, and like that's what reminded me of tarot. Like it's warm and it's going to welcome you whenever, but it's also going to demand something of you, and it's going to ask you to be a better version of yourself, and like you have to be willing to take kind of that tough love, but then realize that it is coming from that pure intention. And it can be hard to get that message from a person. But when you have like these cards or when you're associating it with with the idea of like your ancestors or your higher self, that gives you so much more like kind of weight in that moment or weight in that message for you to be like, okay, this is for me. This isn't just blanket advice. Like this, this is my life, you know? (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. Oh my God. So so many chills. I feel like the, the biggest thing that you said that I have so many thoughts about is just this idea of connecting it back to your ancestors in that like non-judgmental place, because that's another thing where I've seen people struggle. And everything that I say is like a mini content idea that I have that I mm-hmm. need to flesh out. So I'm just keeping myself accountable <laughs> for creating the things yes. that I, I feel like I should create by talking about them in public. Um, but people struggle with, and this is actually, okay. So this is something that I teach in my six week course. So maybe this is like coming up all for a reason, a bigger reason that I don't understand as everything is. But in my six week course, I talk about the fact that sometimes with connecting to your ancestors specifically, people will struggle because it's like, okay, well, I knew my grandma and she did not accept me. Or she was like, especially with me because I'm queer, right? And so I was like, okay, my grandma did not like queer people while she was alive. And so the idea that like C is behind this non-judgmental, all-accepting tarot practice mm-hmm. is foreign. And I had to go through my own process of realizing what unconditional support looks like when it comes from someone who's passed and how to really sit with the idea that like, just because even with with yourself, like, think about yourself and the ways in which you've judged yourself. Like, I think about how I had to go through my whole coming out process of, you know, trying to deny that I was queer in the first place and then accepting it, but being like, okay, well, I only want to hook up with women. I don't want to, like, fall in love with them. And then, like, so much, so many layers and layers and layers. But I will never now, at this point, say to myself, well, in the past, you didn't accept me for being queer so why would you accept me now you know Mm -hmm. just the the idea that like I have allowed for the possibility that I can change and so allowing for the possibility that like when we go to the cards and we're trying to connect with our ancestors our ancestors have also been evolving and changing and growing just as we have Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that I've really like in real time (laughs) I'm working on for my course so it's just so interesting that it came full circle right now
1: Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah I I totally like resonate with that because I've had you know family members that have passed where it's like iffy relationships or even like if someone in like even the iffy relationships that I have in my life now like Mm -hmm. just iffy in terms of like it's not always supportive but you know their Mm -hmm. family or that kind of situation it's like if that person past or something like I can already like I can pre feel the amount of guilt <laughs> that I would have like surrounding that and you know just like the amount of issues that haven't been resolved and you know all of that it's like I kind of worry about those things like, yeah. like probably more than I should but um yeah. yeah like I I think that's what you're saying is so powerful because it's like we think of that person as like a finite thing like after they've passed you know what we know of them our memories with them that's what we can cling on to but like that energy doesn't go away and if we do believe that that person has transitioned then they are doing all this work they are growing and they're in this place where they're now free of all these societal obligations and all these responsibilities and burdens that now give them the capacity to grow at like almost an unparalleled level so it's like if we Mm -hmm. think of them as this energy that still is and hasn't Mm -hmm. actually like, it has transitioned, but not that it's over. I think that can really help that kind of create that idea of like, wow, there is this unconditional love, and I can actually accept it. Because like, there's so much of that work in ourselves, too. It's like, we can't always, we don't always know how to accept unconditional love when we're not used to it. And Mm -hmm. so that in itself is a process of like, how do I receive? How do I make this, you know, a part of what I'm comfortable living with and accepting and not feeling like I have to perform for it? Because like, that's the whole issue that conditional love tells us oh you need this kind of career this kind of family this kind of presentation in society this blah 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 and it goes on and on and and a a lot of the times I feel like as soon as someone does something nice for us we want to run and do like 20 things nice for them back or and and Mm -hmm. at first I thought oh it's it's just me being a nice person that's just because I care or because I value their friendship and there is that level of truth to it but it's also like you feel like you owe them something because they did something nice to you and I feel like that's such a product of this conditional love idea Um, and so even if you know that person had to pass for you to have this like better relationship with them thinking that oh they still are this person and now they've transitioned like into being a more accepting person that I feel like brings so much healing along with it because it's like wow that lack of acceptance isn't always there you know it, it doesn't have to be like this umbrella that hangs over my head my whole life.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. The umbrella metaphor is perfect. I think everything that you're saying is just resonating so heavily with me. And one of the things that has been super helpful for me with this whole accepting of, and I know we've gone down a rabbit hole now, so feel free to rein us back in whatever. But um, the last thing, which maybe is a point about a point that can apply broadly, but just Um, I've been hearing a lot about compassion in general, just as far as like, how can we work if we're working with ancestors that maybe didn't accept us while they were here or that we had an iffy relationship and working, like coming to them for help now or trying to have a relationship with them after they've transitioned. What I heard yesterday from my grandma is just this sense of, of having compassion for her because she was doing all of this as part of her process of how to navigate the human experience and the lessons that she needed to learn while she was on earth and learning to accept queerness was not one of her lessons that she needed to learn while she was on earth but that doesn't mean that her soul doesn't know it it's just that when she was in the body that wasn't part of her plan that wasn't where she was at and so Learning how to have compassion for people who seem, and of course this doesn't mean that you write passes for people who mistreat you. Mm -hmm. Um, But learning, I think for me, one of my biggest challenges has been feeling so frustrated with people because they don't understand me or because they only see the version of me that like they want to see. They see like the person who has all the accolades, but they don't actually see like myself or the deeper parts of myself. And I get very frustrated with that. And when I've sat with this frustration and tried to figure out like what this frustration is trying to teach me, I think what I'm realizing is that it's more that I'm frustrated because I am now imposing onto that person, asking myself like, well, why isn't this person where I want them to be? And then they're asking themselves, why isn't Samara where I want Samara to be? And then it becomes this whole cycle where we each are projecting, Mm -hmm. um, and learning what I've been learning is to say like, okay, well, this person doesn't see me the way that I want to be seen. and, And it's okay for me to walk away from this relationship, or it's okay for me to like moderate the extent to which I interact with them. And like, that's perfectly fine. It doesn't make me a bad person. But just like the process that I've been coming through, and that tarot has been helpful for is just showing me like, you get to be seen in whatever light that you want to be seen in and you'll just find the people that see you in that light, you know? Yes,
1: yes, exactly. It's like forgiveness and boundaries can coexist. You don't have to be all up in someone's grill to forgive them or whatever. And it's the same Mm -hmm. thing with like how you like, yeah, you don't have to approve everything that they've stood for. You don't have to like co-sign on like their whole life, but you can forgive them because that's what helps you move on, you know? And even if like, that's just a personal step that you need to take. And you know, you don't always even have to tell someone that you've forgiven them. Like, obviously it depends on how bad the relationship is, but if it's not even accessible for you to tell them whether they're not here anymore or whether it's just that big of it an issue and that much went down, you can still say, okay, in my heart, I forgive them, but I'm not, I don't need to have that conversation with them and sit down with them. And obviously, you know, it's a really personal thing and there's so many levels to forgiveness, but like, I feel like so many people think that it's inaccessible to them because they didn't like, because they, that behavior wasn't okay or whatever happened to them wasn't okay. And like, I think that's so powerful to be like, but you still deserve forgiveness, you know, and like that distinction is really, really important
0: forgiveness is such a huge part of like bringing it back to all of this social justice stuff and how to like actually move through the systems that we live under rather than trying to pretend they don't exist like first we do have to forgive a lot we have to forgive ourselves for benefiting from these systems and for trying to pretend that they didn't exist in the first place for some people and other people have to forgive yeah just forgive all of the self-hate and the internalized racism and, and learning how to really sit with, like, whatever your piece of that pie is and saying, mm-hmm. like, hey, like, this is where I'm at right now. Maybe I hate myself. Maybe I wish I was different. Um, and how can I forgive myself for, for perpetuating that hate against myself? Mm-hmm. Or how can I forgive my other self for pretending that racism wasn't real or whatever? Like, how can we all just find forgiveness as we come into this, like, new awakening of, of actually committing to social justice in a real way?
1: Yeah. Like going back to the very first thing you said about tarot, like a tarot helps you accept where you are in life now. And there's that level of acceptance yeah. that you need. And it's the same thing with forgiveness. You have to accept what you've done, accept all these things, but then forgiveness breaks that cycle and lets you kind of create a new narrative. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, super important. Um, so yeah, talking about tarot and kind of connecting everything back to that, like how do you, have you used tarot as like a tool for self-worth?
0: I'll just give like a reading tip, like how I did with the anchor card for that so one of the questions I like to ask depending on what's going on with me like I have a whole spread for imposter syndrome that I use um, that I'm gonna like refine and make available to the public soon so people Mm -hmm. can stay tuned for that but even aside from the spread for imposter syndrome if it's if there's a particular situation that is causing me to doubt myself sometimes I'll just ask first of all you can always ask for an anchor card like what card is supporting me in this situation But sometimes I'll just ask, like, why am I the best person to do this thing? Like, if it's a big leap that I have to take, like, I had to, I taught a workshop for someone with, like, a really big platform recently, and I was, like, having all this imposter syndrome, and I was, like, okay, why am I the best person to teach this workshop? Just, like, Mm. card, gas me up. Like, tell me why. Um, And that helps me a lot if it's, like, if there's an acute situation where it's making me feel unworthy of receiving something or unworthy of being invited somewhere or whatever it is. Just why am I the best person to have this thing or to teach this workshop or whatever it is. And the card will always kind of encourage you and remind you of what makes you unique to do whatever it is you're being called to do.
1: I love that. Cause it immediately takes you out of like your over overthinking like thought process and pulls you back into like, this is, where your alignment is this is what like your Mm. purpose is like it pulls you into this bigger question and you're like okay like one event or one live stream isn't going to kill me like this Mm. is actually such a stepping stone in in this path for me so I love that how I, I don't know if you had more to say about like tarot and and social justice but like in this time specific how have you used tarot as like a tool for either helping you connect with like the collective consciousness or it has that played a role in your readings As a Black person in this climate,
0: I have had such a roller coaster of experiences because, well, first of all, a lot of the grief that people are waking up to is grief that I've had my whole life. Like I can remember being in elementary school crying because someone had died who looked like me and asking my parents, like, does this mean that there are people in the world who want to kill me just because I'm black? Right. And having that conversation. Advocate. And so mm-hmm. now it's so interesting because people are having these conversations that I've been having for like more than 20 years,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but they're having them as adults. And so seeing that has been frustrating in some ways, encouraging in some way. It, it has put me in my own, personal world into like such a tailspin. I've had to sleep excessively. I've had to just like really, and like my, my energy has been all over the place because I've been all over the place trying to ground myself into this new world that we live in where it's kind of like people, it, 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 it highlights to me the juxtaposition between the people who live under the system and the people who uphold the system because those of us who've been living under the system we have known for our whole lives. Like we effectively came into the world knowing that we were must, and that we we had very little guaranteed to us. And so to see now that the whole world is opening its eyes and looking kind of like, oh, like you all have been under this system for so long and we're just like, yeah, yes, we have. Um, and so that's been, it's been crazy. White people who have known my whole life have been reaching out to me um, trying to support me in particular, and sometimes I'm like, okay, if I haven't talked to you in years, and I'm the person that's to reach super out weird, to, like, yeah, <laughs> am I the only black person? But to bring this back to Tara, sorry, that was a huge They're like tangent. that girl from sixth grade. I remember, <laughs> I, yeah, right, Facebook, her, Facebook her. <laughs> right, right. And I'm Look. just like, I have to remind myself who you are. <laughs> like, right. this is not okay, right? Um, but I. So as I've been scattered and feeling this whole range of emotion, um, one of the things I did, one of the first things I did back in June when everything was popping off is I pulled an anchor card for myself. And I was like, what is the card that is going to actually keep my head on straight while all of the calamity is happening? And the card that I got was very, it was um, the Knight of swords in reverse. I remember it. Knight of swords in reverse. And to me, that card said, you don't mean, to go crazy trying to like weigh in on this conversation or to try to like position yourself per se about, I don't know. It was just, it was just kind of, it, it made me feel like I didn't need to be the person who if a white person reached out to me, I didn't need to console them. I didn't need to tell them who they could call or what they could donate to. Like it wasn't my job to be helping white people through this transition. Mm-hmm. took a nap immediately and felt yes. a lot started to orient my content around like okay what are what is content related to this that I would actually enjoy creating mm-hmm. and how can I use my tarot practice as a tool to really help people who are who are struggling and who are genuinely committed to the actual struggle rather than the people who want to like you know put $500 somewhere, or who want to like call somebody one time and then like check off the box for themselves. And so that's how I created my workshop on decolonizing the tarot. So that's just like an hour long thing. It's on demand now, so you can get it on my website or whatever. But that was when I was like, okay, for all of you who read tarot or who are interested in tarot, and you are waking up right now, this is how you can look at your tarot practice in light of all of these systems of oppression. And this is how you can use the tarot practice to actually mitigate the systems of oppression. Mm-hmm. And that was how I started to have that conversation with people. And that has been so impactful for me. My tarot practice has changed completely since I started to really talk to wow. people about how tarot cannot be kind of seen as separate from all of the all of the oppression and all of the justice issues that we're working through collectively right now.
1: Mm-hmm. that's amazing and I, yeah I think that's so important like for creatives because so many people are like switching to this conversation which is important and should be had but then it's like I think a lot of times we can lose our voice as creators with like this is what you were talking about how can you connect this con- context and conversation to the area that you've already been talking about because like yes there's you know all these things that matter but like in whatever area you're in and in whatever influence and role and like Level of life, all of that, like that niche that is you and your influence, like there is still racism, there's still anti blackness in whatever corner of the world that you are. So if you can, like, stay in your lane and focus on that and obviously you know have bigger conversations keep staying educated but like when you actually focus on your life instead of reaching out to this person you've never you know haven't talked to in five (laughs) five years or whatever like Mm -hmm. when you can actually do that that's when change happens but it's like you have to realize that that sense of agency is within yourself and like yeah sure Mm -hmm. it's important to learn before you start acting especially if you know there's not a lot that you know or you're new but like it yeah, you have to realize that like, you have to do something. You can't just keep like asking people or waiting or whatever. And like, things may not always be perfect, but it's better to stumble through it and be moving forward than to sit back and say, no, it's crazy. I don't know what to do. And then like nothing gets done and things are the same. And you haven't even talked to, you know, your, your family about it or whoever's in your direct circle that you could be having conversations with so easily, you know?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I think about that so much. And like One thing that's coming to mind now is just bringing me back that before I was a a tarot person full-time, I was working in social justice education and I was just in the public health world. And I was working, I remember I was at a meeting at the New York City Department of Public Health and they were basically like, we don't wanna be um, like a public health department that has a health equity person. We just want everyone to learn about health equity. Like, we just want that to be, like, ingrained within the entire organization. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think needs to happen now is, like, we can't just have, like, the activists who care about social justice and then the coaches and the tarot readers and blah, blah, blah. Like, everybody needs to all be ingrained into the work and just integrate it into your day-to-day job. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think that's going to make the biggest difference.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. I love that. Okay, well, um I don't want this to get too much longer, even though we could literally talk forever. But um do you want to talk a little bit more about like your course and like where to sign up? Um, just like the details on that and who it's really for.
0: Sure. So yeah, I have a six-week tarot reader training that's all about using the tarot for healing justice. So we talk about using the tarot for liberation of the self and using the tarot for more collective liberatory purposes. And it's really for anyone who is interested in tarot but doesn't want to go about it in a way that involves spiritual bypassing or is kind of feeling removed from the current climate that we're in now. So I really am the person who's saying, like, there's no tarot reader and there's no activist. There's just a tarot reader who knows about activism. And I'm really trying to help people look at the cards through the lens of activism and through the lens of bringing about justice through healing these huge wounds that are sitting in our subconscious and they're sitting in the collective subconscious yes
1: I love um, that
0: yeah yeah um I'm glad I'm glad you love it I'm I love it too I'm very excited about (laughs) it um I was just gonna say the link to everything is in my Instagram bio so I'm at Thrive on Instagram and You can find the link where you can read all about the training. You can DM me if you have questions about it. But it's six weeks of awesomeness, and we already have a great group coming together. So one of the questions I do get is, can you join this training if you have never read tarot before in your life? Mm -hmm. And I say yes, because the first modules are card by card. Like, this is how you think about each card. And I frame it as thinking about the card through a social justice lens. But if that's your first introduction to tarot, then like lucky you, you know, because yeah. you don't have to go through the unlearning of what you think the cards mean. And you then bypass the it. spiritual
1: bypassing. <laughs> exactly, exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. So if you've never read tarot before and this is your first introduction, then that seems like an incredible way to get started. And then we have some people in the group who already have really thriving tarot businesses and who are already really powerful and just want to get this kind of like, almost like a professional development for them of like, how can I get these justice tools in my toolkit? That's already pretty strong. So it's really an all levels training.
1: Fantastic. Okay. And then is there like a date that you have to sign up by? Yes. So
0: the training first week of the training is August 10th officially. So as long as you sign up by August 10th at midnight, you'll be good to go.
1: Okay. Perfect. And I will link all of these um, links and details and your your Instagram and everything in the show notes below. So if you wanted to check out their Instagram or check out any of these courses, all of that will be linked. Um, So just scroll down and find that information. Um, And was there anywhere else that you wanted to be found or any other um, content of yours that you wanted to promote? Well, my website is
0: com. That's pretty much where, like, you'll see everything I'm doing. I also read, like I give personal readings. So if you're just interested in having a reading with me, you can book the reading on my website or through Instagram. And then if you are brand new, like fresh to tarot and you're very overwhelmed, I have a mini course that's free on just how you can start to read the cards without relying so much on Google or books, like how you can start to build up your own relationship to the cards. So if you're interested in that, I will also send Roshni the link to how you can get the mini quiz.
1: Yes, I'm gonna have to download that. I literally need to like figure that out for myself. (laughs) I got you. Perfect. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me. Um, Pretty much if you enjoyed this conversation, you will enjoy their course. It seems like it's all the same topics and things that we talked about. So if you made it this far, thank you for listening and definitely check out all of their content. They're amazing. I think that that's pretty much it. So we'll wrap up this conversation here, but we are doing an Instagram live on your Instagram. Um, I believe Mm -hmm. it's next Monday. So um, if you want to follow either of our accounts or both of our accounts you can catch us talking to each other again on instagram next week Mm -hmm. and otherwise um just thank you again for joining me this was amazing and i learned so much and i'm super glad that we met yeah same this was an incredible conversation i could talk to you for like five
0: days no (laughs) really i'm yeah i'm so happy we got to do it and i can't wait to talk to you next
1: monday on instagram perfect all right well thanks for listening you guys and you have a great rest of your week happy healing